This the remix. Step back one legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? When? He's got dancing feet with that lower body. It's unbelievable. Look at the body. Look at that bubble butt. The groins aren't very good usually. You get minutes in this program and you know, to make a nice tall cheer for you. This is all I need to see. Is there a wow. murder going on? That was awesome. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Dogfights, what Rich Strike was trying to do to all the other horses after he won the Kentucky <laughs> Derby. He's trying to bite people and horses and reins Take and them jockeys. Out. Great moment. Do you think Dan Ventrelli should call Papa John's to try to get Mark Davis to yes. <laughs> Papa, it's Danny. <laughs> we got I can't fire him. You. That's your owner. Well, no, it's not. Not anymore. Not anymore. I was fired. <laughs> what do you mean you agree with his behavior? <laughs> Take him out, Papa. Um we tweeted out our first bite question this morning. Is Mark Davis going to be in trouble? David Brown says, Dan Snyder still owns a franchise. So no. Uh, Tim but said. But his wife runs it. <laughs> that's a good. Mark Davis doesn't have a wife to run it. So who are they going to have fake run it? Asia Wilson. Yeah, Asia Wilson, owner of the uh, Raiders. Uh, Tim said, yes, league office investigation. Um I don't know if that'll actually turn up Mark Davis getting in trouble, though, just because the league office investigates it here. So if you missed it <laughs> last Friday, uh, the Raiders announced that Dan Ventrelli was no longer the president of the organization. A few hours later, Dan Ventrelli came out with a statement to Mick Akers of the Review Journal accusing Mark Davis of creating a hostile work environment. I should rephrase that. He did not accuse. He said he received written complaints of employees that accused Mark Davis of creating a hostile work environment. And Dan Ventrelli specifically said that he wanted to stand up for the female employees of the Raiders organization. You can jump to whatever conclusions you would like to jump to with those two things tied together. Here's a question for you. And Q brought this up when we just talked to him a minute ago. We had Jeremy Aguero resign last week before any of this happened as well. No reason was given other than Jeremy Aguero saying he finally had some time to spend with his family. Um, Jeremy Aguero is a guy they hired away after they got the money here in Vegas because Aguero is one of the guys that said, hey, we should give the bunch of money, and then the Raiders hired him. Um, but we also had, if you go back to last year, Mark Bedane was the president. He resigned. They had the club controller resign. They had the CFO resign as well. They had a lot yeah, of resignations. They had four people in eight weeks. Yeah, last year. And then this year, we had a couple of more, and then ultimately the president fired. Again, we don't have a lot of details on the Mark Bedane resignation or any of those other ones from last year. All we have is Mark Davis saying, we paid too much in taxes, guys. Um, do you think any of these are tied together or... Are these two completely separate issues, basically a year apart, involving the team's president? I think they're completely separate issues. I think they are, too. I think they're completely which is, separate which issues. Is probably worse. <laughs> probably not a good thing for the Raiders that you could have two presidents gone in basically 12 months, and one was some sort of financial issue, and the other is, according to Dan Ventrelli, according to Dan Ventrelli. retaliation yeah. for him bringing up written complaints about the way Mark Davis treated And we said it at the employees. offset. We're not sure... What this evidence is, we're not sure if we're ever going to see this evidence. Right. But he better have it. Right. Um, I, I 
the one point that I did not make earlier in the show that I do think is important here. I do not believe Mark Davis deserves any benefit of the doubt in this scenario. I think we've given him a lot right now because we've gone out of our way to say these are allegations, possibly there's written complaints, whatever. But I don't believe he deserves any benefit of the doubt because he's proven multiple times over the last 12 months that he doesn't actually care about doing the right thing. We had the Steve Wynn where Steve Wynn got to light the torch and be honored. It was the first public appearance Steve Wynn made since he lost the hotel with his name on it because of allegations of his sexual misconduct. And when Mark Davis was asked about it, Mark Davis's response was, well, he helped me get the stadium here. So of course I wanted to honor him when it's like, that's not what you should be doing. And then probably the bigger one is Mark Davis read all of the John Gruden emails and then let him coach against the Chicago bears before some more of them became public and John Gruden ultimately resigned there. Mark Davis has given us multiple examples that he does not care about treating people the right way or doing the right thing, that it's all about him and it's all about his organization and it's what's best for him. So not that everything that Dan Mentrelli says is 100% accurate. We'll find out. Maybe we won't. Hopefully we'll find out. But I don't believe Mark Davis deserves the benefit of the doubt today based on what he's done in the past. I'll say the second thing you said was right in terms of not getting the benefit of the doubt for the reasoning he gives for certain things. I won't yet go as far as treating people wrong because I don't know if he's done that. Yeah. Because with Wynn, it was more like you let Wynn light the torch. Why would you do that with Gruden's? Like, why would you let him coach? That's not treating people poorly. That's right. just making bad decisions right. and then having reasons that don't make sense. Yeah. Or that, you know, are not good reasons for it. Um, so I won't go that he treats people badly uh, yet. Because we haven't, again, we haven't seen what Dan Vercelli says he has. And the the point I want to keep making is he needs to have this stuff. Now, again, like you said earlier in the show, we may never see this stuff. We may never see any of these written, you know, reports or written, you know, comments from these women that allegedly are out there. Um, you've talked about the investigation that they did in Washington, and we never heard anything about that, really. So the, the way the NFL investigates... Mark Davis could be disciplined and we'd never know it. It's one of the funniest details that they had a third party investigate the Washington football team. And at the end of it, they told everybody, well, we didn't have her do a written report. We just had her do a verbal report. And we made mental notes of what she told us. Like that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life that they had a, what was like a multi-year investigation into a football team and they didn't have a written report done. Why would you not have a written report yeah. done if you're investigating somebody? It's completely ridiculous. And we will probably see something ridiculous Similar. like that in right. this situation. I doubt they'll try to get away with, hey, there's just no written report of it. But there'll probably be some effort to hide whatever happened here. I Here's another question on the Dan Vendrelli side of this. He gives this statement to Mick Akers. Says he's got written complaints. Accuses Mark Davis of dismissing them. Uh, says that he wants to protect the female employees of the Raiders. And at the end of that, he says, uh, you know, I've I've sought legal counsel or whatever. Do you think Dan Ventrelli's lawyers wanted him to say that publicly? Wanted him to come out and accuse Mark Davis of firing well, him because he brought these complaints to Mark Davis's attention? I mean, I would hope that the lawyers would have known about it. Right. I mean, if not, I don't know how good the lawyers are. <laughs> 
You know, I mean, if I'm a lawyer and I, I and he's retained me, and how quickly? Do, I mean, look, Dan Vitrelli was isn't has a lot of he's an attorney, so he knows attorneys. So he could right. the minute he got fired, two minutes later, he could have been on the on the phone saying, "Hey, I need your representation." Then there was a two hour gap, three hour gap, you know, between ten and one whenever he gave the statement to Mick. Uh, to where I'm sure he and the lawyers were having conversations. That's what I have to imagine happened here, is that he I mean, he almost immediately called a lawyer, whoever the hell his lawyer is, if right. he has one, whatever, almost immediately called somebody and said, hey, I just got fired, and I think I got fired because right. blank, blank, blank. And then they figured out, okay, what exactly do we want to do? And I think this this had to have been a planned out step. I don't... Yes, I don't think he... I think the lawyers read it. Right. And so... Again, to go back to the point we made, I can't imagine Ventrelli is stupid enough to come out as Mark Davis of these things without some level of proof of these things. And especially, I can't imagine Ventrelli, plus whoever he hired to be his lawyer, is stupid enough to have him come out and say these things. Yes, if I'm the attorney, I say, okay, you say you have written complaints. I need to see the written complaints, right. or you, yeah, I need to see these before right. we before we go out there and say you have them. Right. I just, again, I don't know Dan Ventrelli. Never met the guy before, but I can't imagine a guy that ascended to president of the Raiders, then hired lawyers, and those people combined decided to say these things publicly. If they didn't, if they weren't sure right. or believe believed that they existed, so there there have to be. Written complaints somewhere have to be one hundred percent happy. You also made this point earlier. There could be written complaints, and they could mean nothing. Exactly. They there could, could be, be people complaints. who are mad that they were underpaid and whatever. Right. And they said, "I'm going to complain." Right. Absolutely. There could there could be written complaints that mean nothing right. whatsoever. But I would lean on the side of there's some validity or legitimacy to them for Dan Ventrelli to go to Mark Davis say, "Hey." We've got complaints because you did blank. Davis dismiss him, and then Ventrelli take it to the NFL. Because that's the other thing he claimed here, is that he went to the well, NFL. Well, the NFL said we have been given right. some of this information. So someone gave the NFL And I have to imagine, if, if you're the president of an organization and your employees complain to you, or somehow it gets to you that employees are complaining about something your owner has done, and you go to the owner and say, hey, here's these complaints, and he sh- shuns you away, shoes you off. I have to imagine if you're the president of that organization for you to go to the NFL about it, that A, they're either very serious allegations, or B, B. you know there's some validity to them. You know there's some truth. Because you it's Listen, it's very hard for an employee to go above their own owner and say, the owner, my boss is doing blank and go above his head to the NFL. Like, that's hard to do. And if you're Dan Ventrelli, I've got to believe he thinks those complaints are valid or they're serious enough that Mark Davis shooing them away was worth. Because when you, if you're Ventrelli, the moment you send those to the NFL, you know you, you're probably losing your job, right? Absolutely. Like I, I yeah. have to imagine, yeah. like the like when he decided, hey, I'm going to send these. To I'm the going to go over your head because Mark Davis didn't take him seriously mm-hmm. enough. I've got to imagine he had the thought process. This probably cost me my job. Whenever he sent send on those emails to the NFL, like I've got to imagine he, that thought crossed his mind. As soon as I send this, I'm probably done as the Raiders president because that's 
if you're the owner of an organization and somebody goes over your head, right, you're probably saying that guy's done. Like I'm, I'm not dealing with that guy. So I get, I don't know how much we find out here, but I got to believe there's a lot of validity to whatever happened here or Dan Ventrelli's just a moron. One yeah, of those a two, lying moron to me, one of those two things has to a be lying true. moron. And I'm not in going fact, he did with, this. with Dan Ventrelli being, yeah, lying and a moron to make all this stuff up about it, right? So I have to believe there's some validity validity to what he said and what's actually in the complaints. And we may never know. Yeah, might not know. Might be a private fine or something like that. All right, we've got tickets to give away. If you want to go see the Doobie Brothers, May 25th, they're going to be at Zappos Theater at Planet Hollywood. We've got a pair of tickets for you. Doobie Brothers, May 25th, Planet Hollywood, Zappos Theater, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number four to go see the Doobie Brothers. 702-364-1100. Caller number four going to see the Doobie Brothers. Bischoff's Briefs. Yes, I see. Something involving that many big words could easily destabilize time itself. Congratulations to Jay. Win tickets to go see the Doobie Brothers in just a minute. A few minutes. We're going to have tickets to go see the Steve Miller Band as well. Jameson Welch will join us to talk some NBA at 930. But Bischoff's briefs today, we got to take a look at the NCAA because these players are just getting paid too much money. They're not happy about it. Now, the NCAA is going to try to implement rules to slow down name, image, and likeness payments. Um, to, to try to sum this up here, the NCAA doesn't like the idea of pay for play. Technically speaking, name, image, and likeness is supposed to be, hey, this player is so popular that they're going to use their name or their image or their likeness to be a like a spokesperson for a brand, right? Guys, the star quarterback of the football team in a college town uh, restaurant's going to put them in their commercial, right? Like that's the general idea here. The NCAA is not necessarily trying to stop that. What they're trying to stop is boosters of schools that can talk a recruit or a transfer into coming to their school with a promise of NIL money, right? And like, cars and everything else. Right. That's what they're trying to stop from happening here because that's not the the pure way that NIL is supposed to work. Or there have been some allegations, I guess, that some players are getting NIL money and not actually doing any product <laughs> endorsement. That yes. They're just getting paid and they're not actually doing anything for the company that's paying them. So that's what the NCAA's whatever trying to stop. They don't they don't like the headlines of hey this transfer from Kansas State's going to Miami and he's getting $400,000 on the condition that he plays at Miami or something like that. They don't like that. That's what they're trying to stop. Here's where it's interesting. A couple of points where it's interesting. Technically speaking, the coaches are not involved in name, image, and likeness deals, right? It's, it's boosters, it's companies, it's third parties, right, that are paying these name, image, and likeness deals. Technically, the coaches aren't supposed to be involved in any of the facilitating. Now, you'd be naive to think that the coaches aren't aware of, if not influencing, 
what their boosters are doing or what these companies are doing to pay some name, image, and likeness. Well, here. real quick, wouldn't that be involved in recruiting? <sighs> yes. Jimmy, this is what we can do for you. Wink, wink. Right. It would be, <laughs> hey, we the, the coach is like, hey, we'd love for you to come to Miami. Here's the playing time. Here's the style of play, right. whatever. Here's the number of the guy that's <laughs> going to give John. you $400,000. Right. <laughs> so, like, even if they don't directly have the conversation, they're like, here's the guy that will have the conversation with you. But the interesting part of it is that the NCAA, to crack down on this, is going to have to find a way to stop and punish third parties that have absolutely nothing to do with the NCAA. Right? right. If you're the NCAA... You can punish a coach. You can punish a program. But how do you punish the guy that owns a car dealership in a, in a small college town that's paying a kid $100,000? Oh, you get ready for the lawsuits. Right. How, how, do you, how do you punish that guy? The story that CBS Sports had on this was t- two things that the NCAA could do or would consider doing. One would be some form of trying to directly punish the boosters here, and that would be forcing them to disassociate with the program. So that would mean they can't uh, donate money, they can't buy season tickets, they can't go to games or whatever. So they can, in a sense, try to punish the boosters by saying, you can't come to the games, right? We'll see if that happens. The other way would be to then punish the schools that the boosters are working for is not the right word, but helping out to get these players. And according to the CBS Sports, Cut scholarships, uh, hit the coaches with lack of institutional control, those types of punishments, which the way the NCAA works, those are the punishments they hand out for level one violations. Mm-hmm. The most severe violations end up with scholarships being cut and the lack of institutional control. So that's where the NCAA would try to go if they're actually going to try to stop this. But the other funny part of this is according to the CBS story, The NCAA wants to go after these boosters that have already done it. They want to... Guys who've already given out cars and guys who've already given out money? Retroactively say, hey, uh, none of this was against our rules. You did it. Now we're going to make it a rule, and you're going to be punished for it. There's no chance that's (laughs) happening. They have no chance to make that happen whatsoever. The, the Athletic had a story out this morning where they talked to like some some guys that are, have been agents representing some of these college players. They've talked to some people that are the boosters that have actually handed out some of the NIL money, and they've sort of laughed it off. They've been right. like, "Yeah, good luck with that." Right? Like you're gonna you you think you're gonna come and and try to punish me who owns a restaurant for giving out money to the shooting guard of a college team, like? We're just going to sue you, and you're not going to have any chance in court. Well, that was my question. This. If they think they're going after the boosters, which isn't going to work, then their answer to that is they'll just right. dock the schools. Right. You're Basically, what's going to happen here if the NCAA tries to carry out carry this out? They're going to be like, all right, um, you gave uh, the small forward $100,000 um, to transfer to your to your favorite school. Uh, you can't buy season tickets to go watch your team play anymore. You can't donate money. And immediately they're just going to be like, well, yes, I can. And we're suing you because this is, you can't do this. And now the NCAA is back in court, which by the way is where this came from because the Supreme court ruled on this and said, uh, what are you guys doing? The kid can't be in a commercial to promote a sandwich. Yeah. That's against that. That's unconstitutional. They can do that. 
So the NCAA is going to end up back in court if they actually try to do this. Here's the here's the big here's what we should be paying attention to, or here's what we should be criticizing, I guess. If the NCAA hadn't spent the last, let's say, 20 years trying to fight players getting paid, right? For two decades, and, and more than that, honestly, but for two decades, it's been legitimate, this whole idea that, or it's been Pay inevitable that these kids are going to get paid eventually. If the, the NCAA has has just fought it, they've gone to court, they've tried to just fight it and say, amateurism, amateurism, we can't pay these guys. It'll ruin the entire sports of college. If they had embraced it at any point in the last two decades and just been like, yep, these kids can get paid for being in a commercial. If they had just embraced it at any point and said, yeah, there's going to be some way that these kids can make money, even just off their name, image, and likeness, which is still not, you're not getting a salary from the school. You're getting, you're just right. popular. You can be in a commercial and make money. If they had embraced it at all in the last two decades and gotten out in front of it and said, hey, we're going to allow name, image, and likeness payments, but we're going to set up some rules. We're going to put some guidelines or mm-hmm. rules in place that everybody has to follow. Yes, people still would have broken the rules because people always break the rules and, and it's been happening in college sports forever. But if they would have done that ahead of time and sort of embraced it, we wouldn't be in a situation where they're trying to retroactively police Boosters. third parties for paying players that's now legal, right? We wouldn't be in this mess where like people are saying, yeah, bring it on NCAA. You're going to try to tell me what I can and can't do with my money to give to these kids to be in a commercial, right? If they had just embraced it, we wouldn't be in this big of a mess. There would be rules and guidelines no, in place. No, but much and like everything with the NCAA, they're hypocrites. Right, exactly. Because they want us keep making all of the money off right. of this and not have any of it go to the players. They want those boosters to be giving the money to the schools, mm-hmm. right? That's what they want here. So all of this, maybe not all of it because people still break the rules, but the majority of this could have been avoided if it, if they had any foresight over the last two decades to try to get out in front of it and not just try to stop it. They always tried to stop it. They always tried to prevent players from getting any money, college athletes from getting any money. If they had just embraced it at any point along the way, it wouldn't be this big of a deal. Right. We'd have clear guidelines, clear rules in place as to what exactly you can and can't do. And if people broke those rules, then you'd have more of a ground probably to come out and say, hey, you can't do that. We're going to somehow punish you for doing that. But because they're just playing catch up, that's the thing. They're playing catch up in this entire process because they fought so long to stop it. They're going to end up looking like idiots if they try to actually. Well, do they have idiots. no chance to enact yeah. these things. Yeah. There's no chance to go after boosters. I would be laughing too if I, especially if I already gave a kid money. <laughs> right. Like, you're, how are you getting that money back? Right. Like, Bryce Young was the first one, the Alabama quarterback, where they said he was going to make a million, and he was like the first big one in Alabama. You're going to go to an Alabama booster <laughs> out in Alabama, and you're going to tell that guy to, he's got to take his money back? Good luck with that. Yeah. So I just, the NCAA, they totally blew this by trying to fight it forever instead of just trying to figure out how they should actually do it properly. And now, and listen, I'm sure there's legitimate complaints from coaches, colleges, whatever, that this is out of hand and it's not oh, going the way Oh, especially the guys losing all the recruits to. over it. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there's some legitimate problems sure. and things that need to be fixed, but ultimately the NCAA fought for so long to keep kids from getting any money whatsoever off their athletic abilities that – now they're in a situation where they, I don't know, did they just never fathom that it would happen? And now they've got to play oh, I catch think up. They were, yeah, I think they were arrogant about it. Right. Like they're, like they're most things and hypocritical about it and probably thought they'd win all the time. 
And here we are with them going to try to tell, like you said, some car dealership in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that the money he tried to give to one of Alabama's players two years yes. ago. Yeah, thanks. For <laughs> yeah, now you're in trouble. Okay, good luck with that. Coming up next, Jamison Welch joins the show. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now, Jameson Welch. You can follow him on Twitter at the Jameson, two E's in the. Um, Jameson, should we be calling Grizzlies Warriors a dirty series? No, I think we should call it a series that's about to be over soon, but not a series. <laughs> uh, it's physical. It's the play. It's the playoffs. Uh, I think a lot of things that have happened did not have the intent that the punishment has doled out. Uh, starting back from Draymond's flagrant foul. Whenever you slow mo anything like that, it's going to look way worse than it was in real time. I don't think I don't think he should have been ejected for that. I don't think Dylan Brooks meant to hit Gary Payton uh, the second over the head. And causing to break his elbow, like I don't think the intention was there, uh, and I don't think Jordan Poole. Like, I've watched basketball for thirty years, Ed. You've covered the game for a very long time. I don't think we've ever seen a guy place his knee on someone's kneecap mid-play. That's not something you do. Like that's just not a normal basketball play. Jordan Poole would have had the the way if he was premeditating that. It's impossible to do. So it doesn't make any sense. It's been a weird series, but. With jobbing out with the Warriors role players playing the way they're playing, this series is over in a couple of days. I, I don't even know. I barely saw him touch the knee. I mean, he grabbed it, but, I mean, it's like I said earlier, Tyler said earlier, maybe he maybe he injured it somewhere else, not just exasperated because when you watch that play, they're both – everyone's going for the ball. He's doubled at the top of the – at the uh, by midcourt, and, and, and he kind of, you know, holds the knee, but – his body didn't move. I just when I saw that, and people over, I just think people totally overreacted to that. Yeah, people definitely overreacted, and also, like, here's the thing too: um, the Grizzlies went up from being like up, I want to say like 17 in the first quarter, to being down over 20. You know, what I mean, that that's the thing. Like, there's frustration that sets in. You kind of have to blame someone. They talked a lot of noise this whole season and the first round and in the first couple games of the series. They, they've been getting humbled, and they are kind of realizing this team isn't as good as they thought, even though they're not as healthy as we all thought they would be, you know, with Bain being limited and Jaron Jackson Jr.'s foul troubles in every game. But, uh, you know, it's a good learning lesson for them. But I wouldn't say it's a dirty series. I just say it's a regular playoff series. The Grizzlies are a young team. John Morant had a massive season. Is there a chance this is their peak? This is their ceiling, similar to what we saw with Atlanta and Trey Young last year. It's an, it's, that's a great observation, though. There's a you're absolutely correct. Yes, there is a good chance that that's the case. Now, Memphis is a lot deeper; and they have a lot more flexibility. It really depends on what the organization values and how they view this team. If they view this team as just being a young team and give it another year or two, I think that's a big mistake. I think while you have the flexibility you need to go get another guy that can make some things happen because if Desmond Bain is your third best player, you have a very, very good team. If he's your second best player, I don't know how far you can go. And that's no offense to him. He's a really good player. He may even make an all-star game or two in his career. But for him to be your second best guy, don't know how far you're going to go. If Jaron Jackson Jr. is your third best guy, you're not going to win a championship. Like, not right now anyway. I mean, he's still young, but how immature he plays – you're, you you got to have him as, like, the fourth or fifth best guy. 
and they're going to have to make some improvements on the roster. They have a lot of depth right now. They're, they're 1 through 12, might be the best 1 through 12 in the league. However, in the playoffs, you don't play 12 guys. You only play eight. So that extra four guys doesn't really help them. So they need to make a move to get another, you know, solid player that's maybe a future all-star, maybe even a current all-star in there to pair up with who they have. Which number one seed is more vulnerable? Uh, Miami. Phoenix is fine. Like, Phoenix has home court. They're the better team. And Dallas is going to have a bad game from three soon, whether it's a game five or six <laughs> or seven. They're gonna, I mean, you're not going to shoot – you're not going to make 14 threes and a half. Like, that doesn't happen. Like that. And, again, like they're, they're role players, clever, um, you know, clever and um, Finney Smith and Bullock are all shooting over 40% from three in the playoffs. So, that's, you know, that's what, who they are. However, we know as series goes on, go on, that three-point percentage tends to drop. It's just how it goes. Now, if they shoot lights out from three, then Phoenix is in trouble. But – I still think Phoenix has a big control of that series. They have home court, and Chris Paul is not going to have two consecutive games like or he's not going to have three consecutive games like he had in Dallas. So I expect him to play better in Game Five. I expect Phoenix to win Game Five like they won in Game One and Two, and kind of wrap the series up in six. I, I think once you get a team like Dallas in elimination mode that is three or nothing, I think it's a lot easier to go against that because those threes are tougher when you got the season on the line. It's way, way more difficult when your season's on the line instead of when you're just playing in a you know game three or game four. We saw like the Celtics game two hit all of their threes. Dallas has done it in a couple of games. The Warriors went from I think eighteen percent from three to like fifty three percent from three. Like it has there been more variance in teams and how well or poorly they shoot from game to game than usual? I mean, it's, it's the role players, man. Um, you know, what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of guys in the corners and a lot of guys, a lot of teams are scheming to keep the ball out of people's hands and they're living with certain things. So, for instance, in the series we just talked about, Phoenix is okay with Bullock shooting threes. They're okay. They can live with that. They can live with that. However, the best recipe playing Dallas is let Luka go for 40 or 50 and shut everybody else down and you probably win by 10 or more. That should be the best. That should be the way. But a lot of these teams are, you know, living with the role players beating them. Like last night, Miami couldn't hit anything, but Philly's role players hit the big shots, and also Harden finally had a really good game. Danny Green hit some big shots last night as well. Miami's willing to live with with Danny Green shooting threes and Tobias Harris shooting threes, and uh, you know all their other guys, Gordy uh, Yang, all those guys. They're okay with that. They, they will live with that. And that's kind of what it is. So as a role player, you know that if you're getting the ball in the corner or on the elbow or at the top of the key, it's almost like a shooting gun shot. You know what's coming. It's all in rhythm, and you knock them down, especially at home. That's why we see the, the home splits way, way more favorable than anything else because guys are more comfortable and they're getting wide-open looks. What about Boston-Milwaukee? Anything surprise you so far? Not really surprising. It's very evenly matched, especially without Milton. Um you know, that game three was a great game. You know, a lot of drama at the end. Uh, Milwaukee's defense is interesting. They have, you know, Grayson Allen, who's getting attacked a lot by, you know, the other team. I'm interested to see what Coach Bud does because, of course, when Grayson Allen's on, he can, he's got to hit several threes in the game. But if he's not on offensively, you got to put George Hill or Javon Carter in, and that kind of changes the dynamic on offense if those guys aren't able to 
get shot. So it'll be interesting to see what takes place and what adjustments are made. But this is a must-win for Boston in Game 4. They, if Boston goes down 3-1, this series is over. Because Giannis ain't losing three games in a row. Like, that's just, I from the Giannis I've seen, the best player in the league, he ain't losing three games in a row. So if Boston wants to win this series, they have to win tonight. Uh, do you agree with this hot take? Winner of this series wins the NBA title? No, 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 no. I still think – I still agree with Vegas. Vegas has the Warriors and the Suns as the two uh, two you know most favorite teams out there left. I still think whoever comes out of the West wins it all. Um, now, I think Milwaukee has the biggest chance because Giannis presents such a matchup issue with whomever you go against. But I still favor the Western Conference teams if it comes down to it. Okay, so on something, Tyler Bischoff has now uh, mounted three television uh, uh, screens in his uh, office. He also goes off the tablet. I am hearing through the grapevine that that is child's play compared to what you have set up in the house. Uh, can you bring us through your setup? It's like a sports book over there. Yes, so I have four screens in my living room. Four. And they're all next to each other, so you can... <laughs> watch four things at once. It helps when sporting events are on. We all love watching multiple things at once. Some of us have to actually do different jobs. So sometimes I have some some outlets want me to talk about baseball for 30 minutes. So I got to be able to talk about baseball. I got to be able <laughs> to know what I'm talking about. So just reading a box score and faking it. That's not good. Uh, so being able to watch, you know, especially during during the October through December time frame where you got everything going on at once, it's amazing because you can watch everything. But right now, it's a lot of baseball and then the NBA playoff game. I'm not a big fan of cigarette smoke. Um, I love sports, but I don't love cigarette smoke. So I told myself when I got a house, I would have a miniature sports book type of situation, and that's what it is. Four screens. You're slacking it. I got three. I'm slacking. Jameson's got four. No, We're... no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Right, here's the thing. you got to have multiple options for different things. So if you have a family, if you have children or a wife or a girlfriend, they're going to want a screen. Like, not everybody wants to watch sports. So you're going to have to give a screen or two away to keep the peace. Thank Having you. Having one screen in this era is impossible because someone's <laughs> going to be upset. Yeah. Someone's going to be mad, whether it's a child, whether it's a significant other, or you. So no. the best bet is have as many screens as possible with all the streaming options. It's, it's, a, it's a very easy situation to have. I mean, I have four screens. The problem is they're all in different rooms. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I mean, things can be done to, to help out a little bit. But, no, it's something that, to me, it was a project that uh, I envisioned a while ago and I brought it to life. So that's all I, I could say. It was very it was very fun to do. Yeah, it's the way to do it, Ed. Come on, get it together. Four screens, one room. You can make it happen. You, you can make it happen. I Ed. cannot make that happen. Yeah, you can. He's Jameson Washington. Follow him on Twitter at the Jameson 2 E's and the Jameson, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jameson. Not a problem. Thank you. Four screens for this kid. Now I got to get like another a, one. Like a sports book. I got to get another one. Yeah, to, to match them. Yeah. I mean, I do have the tablet, but it's, it's kind of small. Two of your screens are smaller than the, you got the 60 incher. 65 and two 25s. Okay. It's working out well for you. It is, it's amazing. It's the best thing. I, it's the best I thing will only be impressed. Tremendous. I will only be impressed when you get it down to one remote, which seems impossible. That won't happen. Yeah. No, that won't happen. You can't control three with one remote. What kind of remote huh? you got there? <laughs> a magic one. I guess, but no, that won't happen. I, I'm so, on four. I'm not getting down from four. I'm going to be stuck on four. So what my best friend will do is he will literally project the show he's streaming behind him 
like on a blank wall and then have a mirror next to his TV. <laughs> it's kind of so creative. So he watches it backwards. It's backwards? Well, yeah, because he's but, got another screen in front of him, right? Yeah, he's got the screen in front of him that he's playing video games on. It's he creative. could just get a second screen. Yeah, well, <laughs> you own the projector. What are you going to do? Why doesn't he just project it the right way onto the wall next to his TV? Am, am I missing something? I, 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 I don't. I haven't followed. There were no follow-ups by okay. me. I just was like, this seems convoluted. Yeah, that seems like he's making that more complicated than it needs to be. All right, we've got tickets to give away. If you want to go see the Steve Miller Band, May 13th, just a couple days away. We got a pair of tickets for you. They're at the Venetian Theater on May 13th and 14th. You can buy tickets at Ticketmaster or... Win a pair from us right now. Two tickets to go see the Steve Miller Band. We'll take caller number five at 702-364-1100. That's 702-364-1100. Caller five is going to see Steve Miller Band. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to, I already forgot the name, Kevin. (laughs) Yes. Congratulations to Kevin. He's going to see the Steve Miller Band. Uh, Do we have more of those to give away throughout the week? Yeah. Okay. Steve Miller Band. Uh, more throughout the week. So more than just Kevin can go out there. I am currently trying to fend off my mother convincing my girlfriend or excuse me, my fiance, uh, to get pigs. Your mother is trying to encourage you to do that. Or your mother is, I thought she would have already had pigs. My mother already has pigs and she is sending pictures of her pigs to me and my girlfriend. And my girlfriend wants a pig. Like what, George Clooney? Like a pet pig? Yeah, like she thinks they're cute. Well, um, I mean, and my they're... mom my mom has these pigs called um Cooney Cooney that are New Zealand pigs. They're very adorable. These are very cute. Small pigs. ones? Well, they get big. At okay, the moment okay. they're small because she has them as babies or whatever. At the moment, they're small. They're like the size of a, a dog. And I guess if it stayed that size, maybe it would be realistic. But they grow to be over 100 pounds. No. No. I keep it 100 pounds. Are, are they edible? Yeah. Okay. Well, then when it gets to be over 100 pounds, bacon. Yeah, I don't think that would uh, go very well with my girlfriend. I just think it would be funny. Or your mother. If your fiance Oh, walked, she's going to eat them. If you, if oh, the you, mother? Probably. What else would she be doing with them? I thought she just had a farm of pets, and she loved pets so much. She oh just had no, they, the majority of them are are for use. Really? I mean, I'm sure some of them she, like, I don't know what she's doing with the rabbits she just got. She might have the rabbits just to have them, but like, she kept the bees because <laughs> she could take their honey. She has chickens so she can get their eggs and eat chicken. Uh, she had or has turkeys and eats turkeys, right? Like, she has cows. And she's like, here's a dairy cow. Here's a cow I will be eating at some point in the future. Right? Like the they they have a purpose. She doesn't she doesn't keep things around for for no purpose. I mean, this all started because like the first thing she did was breeding dogs. Right. right like right. that when I was in high school, she was like, let's we're gonna start breeding dogs. Well, of course. The first dog we had that had puppies, the first mother that we had. At one point when she got too old to like keep having puppies, my mom like gave her away to somebody. I was like, what are you doing? You don't give the dog away. The Ridiculous. family dog? Yeah, I mean, none of the well, kids were home, but yeah. Like, what are you doing? So she's everything has a purpose with yes. your mother. 
So yeah, the pigs are probably going to be eaten at some point. I don't know what. Would other you get a miniature pig? Have. Well, they don't exist. There's no such thing as like a legitimate miniature pig. They all grow up. Teacup yeah. pigs are a myth. Yeah. According to my mother, I, I'm not an expert on this. She is. Okay. There's no such thing as what a, they do is they just take a pig. small pig and they take a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it grows to be 100. That's how pounds. they market it. Yeah, yeah. According to my mother, the, the the whole idea of like a small pig is is it's a myth. Not. I mean, apparently these New Zealand ones are small and they grow to be like 130 pounds. And your fiance wants one. Yeah. Well, she just thinks they're cute. She thinks everything. Well, she thinks the baby goats are cute. Well, you don't have one of those in the backyard. No. Ooh, the baby Thank goats God. would be good eating too. Yeah. Well, they. My mom has a trampoline for the goats because they like to jump on things. Oh, that was the real problem. FaceTime my mother yesterday on Mother's Day, and she was outside, obviously, uh, near the pigs. And she just she's got two she's got multiple different kinds of pigs, but one of her pigs just had baby pigs, and so we were seeing the baby pigs, and they were like jumping on top of the mother, and it right. was cute, and yeah. Right. So now I'm fending off. No, we can't have pigs. We live in the desert. No, it's a, that's got to be a big no. Right. We can like your first question after putting the ring on her. You gotta say no. Yeah, yeah, no you pigs. Say no, yeah. no pigs. She's aware. We've had the pig conversation before. It's not happening. Just stay with the dogs. Right, exactly. Like we, when we watch her parents' dog, which is like a seventy-pound German Shepherd Husky mix, that dog's like Godzilla in our house. <laughs> right, the dog's <laughs> way too big for pig? our house. Right, and it's like a hundred and thirty-pound pig. <laughs> Where do you think this thing's just gonna hang out during the day? It's gonna be a nightmare.